Hello, friends, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. This is the month of February, and during this month, I actually had the opportunity to go to two different conferences, one hosted by Vision New England called the Go Conference. A lot of really cool things happened there, but the one previous to that was kind of a family gathering by the Antioch churches here in the Boston area where there's this thing called the Antioch Movement. You could Google it and see they've got churches all over the place. Robin and I go to one in Beverly. It used to be called The Harbor. Now it's called Antioch Beverly. And there's Antioch Brighton and Antioch Waltham. And so the three churches got together. Often they do this annual conference where through internet stuff, whatever, they manage to stream so that all the churches are together. But in this case, the three churches asked if they could do something on their own on a different weekend because it was marking 20 years that the first group had come out of Waco, Texas to come to Boston to plant a church. And now there's these three. And I found out there was actually a fourth that from the Waltham Church, another church was planted in Phoenix, Arizona. And so the leaders from the Phoenix Church were there as well. Actually, one of the other crazy things, the last speaker was from Seattle, Washington. And at one point, he shows this picture. And on stage, he points to five people, all of whom at one point or another had been in the Antioch Waltham Church while they were in Boston, either going to school or for a job or something. And so even that church plant in Seattle was being blessed by five people who had spent time growing in the Lord in the Waltham Church. So we gathered together for this family reunion experience together, the three churches, filled with expectation and anticipation for what God wanted to do, and it did not disappoint. I'm telling you, the Lord came in just really tangible ways. One of the most refreshing things that started off even was at the very beginning, they say, we don't want to do kind of the same old, same old. And so tonight, our sense is that we want to start with communion and just music. And the crazy part was that as we were doing this, they passed out communion. There was just music being played in the background, which is not, you know, usually it starts off like up-tempo and with really fun songs. They even usually they have this gal who's really Carol Burnettish. She is hilarious. And usually she comes out and does some funny thing to get everybody laughing. And they said, so she'll be out at some other time, but she's not coming out. The worship team's up there, but they're just playing some chord stuff in the background. They pass out communion, and at one point, I just put the cup down, and apparently one of the leaders said, Mark, you were the first one out of your seat. I just stood up, and this realization that we can only do this because of his death and resurrection, right? That we have access into his presence, and it was all about him and approaching him, right? Others began to stand, and were just singing impromptu, just loving Jesus. It was so fresh, right? It was so precious. It was amazing. And so as the evening wore on, it was just amazing time. But as usual, a big part of this weekend, though, was talking about mission, talking about church planting, because that's a huge part of the DNA of Antioch. What I have loved about them, we've been a part of them for two years now, is that their roots are in the vineyard and in Youth with a Mission. And so this passion for doing the spirit stuff, faithful to the word, like the vineyard, but also journaling, discipleship, and especially mission, youth with a mission, right? I mean, every year, this emphasis on how are we going to get the gospel out. 
So you knew this was coming, and of course, at some point, whether it was on Friday night or Saturday morning, you hear this old familiar passage, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Old, familiar passage. <laughs> if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I cannot imagine that you haven't heard that lots of times. And so I hear this passage, yep, I know that's what we're supposed to do, go make disciples of all nations. But what happened on that day made that old familiar passage become fresh and really challenging to me in a way that I didn't expect. It happened primarily through story. They had several missionaries present, plus even in the afternoon, they had all the different ones from the different churches, the different pastors and their wives and friends. They just sat up on the stage and told the story of how they all felt called to come out from their safe, secure places, especially in Texas, to come to Boston, to plant this church, and then the ones who went out to Phoenix, etc. And so the stories were amazing, but it was the two missionaries, both of whom, the one was a single gal, and she went to, I think it was Boston University, got a degree in French. She wasn't sure what she was supposed to do with that. She gets her master's in French. And during one of these weekend annual conferences, she really gets the sense like, Lord, there are people who don't know you, really don't know you. This is what I'm trained in. I don't know how that can help in missions or anything, but I'll do anything. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And she talked about that over the last, I think it was seven or eight years, she has been in the 1040 window, which is where maybe only 3% of this enormous population of people have ever even heard about Jesus, much less have become believers. So she has spent all this time in countries that she couldn't say in her testimony for fear of what could happen to her. And likewise with this other guy, I think he was a professor. He went to Afghanistan, then to Iraq, then was in a couple other countries with his family, three kids, hearing about the things that they went through. Now again, I hear two old familiar passages, but just have an entire different feeling and meaning as it rolls off their lips, as they're telling their stories of letting go and leaving behind what was comfortable and secure and wanting to say, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. I'll do whatever you want. One of them was Philippians 3.8, where Paul said, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You know, it's one thing reading that in Philippians, reading that about Paul, but these are people standing there who really did that. I mean, they had forsaken all things, lost all things for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, of following Jesus, of doing what was in his heart. The other old and familiar passage is Romans 8.35 when he says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? And in that moment, I'm thinking guns and bombs. These guys are talking about hearing bullets, hearing bombs. When the professor and his family, they were in Afghanistan 
And then eventually in Iraq, and I think it was in Iraq when we went in there and bombings going all over the place, and they just had to grab what they could and flee. And then their stuff was confiscated. It was all put into some place. And it was 12 days later, they were allowed to come back in and they're trying to find their stuff. And they couldn't find hardly anything. What they could find, most of it was broken. Words like trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword. These guys are telling danger stories. They're telling sword-like stories, hardship stories, persecution stories. And you're going, oh my gosh, this isn't just a list of words. These are real people who left real security, real comfort, and said, I'll go. Well, I was blown away. I, I'm telling you, my insides, my emotion, I'm like, God, this is stunning stuff. I'm just moved. And then at one point, actually, this was from the Go conference, where others were telling very similar kinds of stories. One person just brought up the parable of the seeds and brought up the third one, and, you know, the parable of the sower and the seeds. And the third one is the one that takes root, but it's choked out by the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Several of the speakers at the GO conference essentially just said they think that this is what's choking out so many Christians, both of experience, especially of fruitfulness, is that the worries of life is that the, the biggest issue is fear. And the deceitfulness of wealth is our wanting to hold fast to security and comfort. And I went, yep, <laughs> I would be probably one of those. I know that well enough. I think it's a fair thing to say, but... The thing was, again, it's just compelling when you're in front, again, of hearing people telling stories who are doing this stuff, and yet talking about, but I do it in a heartbeat because of Jesus, because of how much I love him and how much he loves me, and that they were compelled by their love for him. Well, as I'm trying to sort that all out, then in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon at the Antioch conference, it was an amazing thing that I just never experienced in a conference where at one point someone says, I think the Lord wants us to be quiet. There are probably a little over 200 of us in this room, and it was so quiet. Not a sound, no coughing, no nothing. It was just quiet. And then we started hearing crying in different parts of the room, and then somebody felt like, I know there's people in this room who speak a different language. Could you guys come up and begin to intercede for your country in your native tongue? And I'm going to guess 20-ish or so came up and you just started hearing these different languages and hearing them with kind of tears and, and passion. You know, Lord, save my country, my people, my nation. Well, then this thing the Holy Spirit just put on our hearts is that we just began to cry over this thought, somebody read the Revelation passage, and that the pain in God's heart that there are still so many tongues that are not praying, loving Him, thanking Him, because they don't know Him. Oh, it was like, God, I think in that moment, I think every one of us in the room are like, okay, God, there is such a need that this overwhelming amount of the population doesn't know and now we feel your heart for them, and you've said we should go. Remember this guy, Floyd McClung, who was one of the leaders of Youth with a Mission? He said, you know, Jesus said to go. He says, I think we've got it backwards. People keep trying to ask God, should I go? And he said, no, he already said to go. I think you're supposed to be asking him, should I stay? <laughs> and I thought, okay, 
have to think about that. But the bottom line was, I think everybody in that room was in a place to go, okay, Lord, as of this Saturday, as of this afternoon, it's all here, you know, say or do anything. Well, in my heart, the thing that was really tough was that I felt that years ago, in a very, very clear way, that the Lord had said to me, Mark, I want you to be a messenger to the bride on behalf of the bridegroom, me, to help her grow intimate with me and to become like me and join me in my mission until I come. That was so profoundly clear to me, which became the first loved ministry's underlying mission. We've been working on mission vision stuff, but the underlying mission was that we would be a messenger to the bride, that we're supposed to be loved by the bridegroom first in order to love as. He'd commissioned us to go to that people group called his church. And so I'm really wrestling inside. I'm going, Lord, is that call still true? Because I'll do anything today. Just speak to me. And then the amazing thing was, there was one guy that was there, part of the movement. It was actually the professor guy that told his story about being in the various um, Middle Eastern countries. Also had this very strong prophetic gifting. So I'm up there, I'm watching him minister to several of the college students in our church. And so I came up, I'm kind of listening and praying and hanging out. And so then we finish and he turns to me and he sees me and he goes, hi, you know, my name's Kurt. What's your name? I said, Mark. And he says, so who are you? What are you doing? I said, I just go to one of the churches and I'm here. And he asked, well, are you this? Are you that? Are you? And I go, no, I'm just here. And he says, wow, well, cool, Mark. And that's all he knows me is Mark. And he says, can I just wait on the Lord and see what he might say to you? And so we pause and Oh, I wish I had the wherewithal to turn my phone on to record it. But essentially, what he says to me in that moment is, Mark, he says, the Lord says this, I have given you this agape message. And then he just went on and on. I've given you this love message, this agape message. It's not just for, for the church. It's for the world. It's for, but I've given you this thing, right? <laughs> and tears are just wrong. I'm like, well, there's my answer. What you said before is still true today. I was so grateful to God for doing that. Well, one of the things of where that idea about First Love to Ministries being about taking this message to the church is that the Lord used this passage out of John 3, 27 to 30, where John the Baptist said to his disciples, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom, and the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. And that's where the first sense, when the Lord said, you're a messenger to the bride and to help them hear my voice and to get connected. But the first line was, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Well, here's my question to you today. Jesus said to all of us, go make disciples, baptizing, teaching them. I think that means that all of us, you and me and every one of us, are in this disciple-making process. Sometimes it means going and sharing the gospel with people, and other times it's the teaching, training, helping them become more like Jesus. 
And ultimately, we can only do what we receive from the Lord to do. A person can do only what they've received, what has been given them from heaven. And so my question today to you is, what role in that process has he given you? And maybe even to just pause, whether now or later in your time with Jesus, to just go, Lord, is it the same or do you have something new? I think sometimes we could even get into old, not just old and familiar passages, but just old and familiar ways of doing things, ways of thinking, our job, whatever it is. And I just felt compelled to want to say, hey, there is a commission out there. There's this thing that the Lord's asked us to do. I was surrounded by people who were just so compelled to want to be a part of that process, willing to give up all risk in incredible ways and just so excited about doing it. And I just pray that as you would just pause and take some time to just think about what I've shared with you today, the Lord would help you just sit and remind you, here's what you have received from me. Here's what I've called you to do. Here's the role I've given you in that process. And either to confirm to you afresh and anew, or maybe that he would stir things up for you and cause you to think, Lord, is there some other way you'd have me be involved in this process? Most of all, I just pray that it would be because of your love for Jesus and your awareness of his love for you. Remember that Paul in that familiar passage, he said, for your name's sake, we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. And then he says, But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. I pray that the love of Jesus would just so touch your heart afresh and anew today, as well as just that the Lord would put this fresh passion for lost people and the disciple-making process in your heart and that you'd feel stirred in a new and fresh way. Lord, bless my brothers and sisters who are listening to this today. Let them engage you in a fresh way about what you're doing in their lives, what they've received or whether or not to receive something new. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.